Chapter Twenty Three of Links in Rebecca's Life by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Three: New Views of Things. Rebecca, what has become of Sally Holland? That was the question that suddenly startled Rebecca out of her reverie one evening, nearly a week after the events which were given in the last chapter. The week had been one of trouble to Rebecca. Her conscience was by no means quiet in regard to the quarrel. She had succeeded in avoiding any allusion to it when with her husband, and had decided that it certainly was not her duty to tell him about it, as it could do no sort of good to anyone and would undoubtedly cause him pain. But she found it a very difficult thing to keep. She was accustomed to talking over the daily affairs of her life with Frank, and to change this habit suddenly was not so easy to do. Now this question both startled and confused her. She knew very well what had become of Sally, only how was she going to explain the sudden cessation of her frequent visits? She sought refuge in an evasion. Why? Oh, nothing. Only I happened to be thinking of her just then, and it suddenly occurred to me that I had not seen her with you lately, nor heard of her calls. I thought she used to visit you very often. You have not quarreled, have you? The question was most carelessly asked, and ended in a slight laugh, as if the suggestion was the most improbable one imaginable, but Rebecca's cheeks glowed, and she found that she could not control her voice to answer. What had Sally been telling him? For the moment she felt sure that the lady had actually gone to her husband with a complaint against his wife. "'What story has she been telling you?' she asked at last, trying in vain to keep the tremulous excitement which she felt out of her voice. Her husband regarded her wonderingly. "'Nothing in the world,' he answered promptly. "'I have not even seen her in several weeks, I believe. In fact, I don't remember when I saw her last. What is the matter, my dear?' "'What made you think of her just then, Frank?' "'I'm not sure that I know. I was thinking of the question of moral influence, and the power that we had as Christians to influence those around us. Naturally enough, I thought of my wife, and the opportunities that she had of this sort, and I suppose it was that train of thought which brought me around to Sally Holland. Do you think she has any special interest in religious matters, Rebecca?" Now what was there in this simple question to make Rebecca feel perfectly dumbfounded? What but that her conscience said to her that during all the numberless times she had of late seen Sally Holland and talked with her, not once had the subject of personal religion been suggested. Indeed, it seemed to her almost as if it would be casting pearls before swine to talk to Sally Holland of religion. "'I'm sure she hasn't,' she answered quickly, "'neither in that subject nor any other that is worth being interested about.' "'Then she is certainly in need of help. And you, my dear, who seem to have so much influence over her, are the very one to help her. I suppose you often talk of these things. People often have more interest than they choose to allow to appear. Perhaps she is one of them.' She must think, you know, even though she doesn't want you to believe it." What was Rebecca to say? Every word was a sting to her conscience. How often had she talked in the same way to her husband about some of his friends, how often they had talked together about friends of hers, how sure he was that she would meet him halfway in this new interest, and yet how could she? A miserable feeling that she was deceiving her husband suddenly took possession of her and caused her to make a resolve. "'You asked me if we had quarrelled,' she said, speaking quickly. "'Frank, that is just it. We have quarrelled. Had a horrid time. She was here—it will be a week tomorrow, and she was so rude and insulting. You can't think how rude, and I spoke to her in such very plain words that I don't think she can ever come again. I haven't spoken to her since, and indeed I don't see how I can. She not only insulted me, but you.' "'But, my dear, I do not understand. What power has Sally Holland to insult us?' The most that I should think she could do was to be somewhat insolent, and as that has always been a characteristic of hers, and is really a fault of the poor girl's unfortunate home life, we ought to be patient with it. And indeed, Rebecca, I thought you were remarkably patient with her. I have admired that very trait in your intercourse. 
Your patience almost used to vex me in those days when her interference was a positive trial to me, but it is long since she has had power to annoy me. Rebecca, she has said things to me which were certainly insolent enough, but I always considered the source and laughed over it. So long as she has nothing to do with our affairs, and her remarks are only the product of her imagination, what harm is it? I could imagine possibly the nature of your trial, from some things that she has said to me, but you who know what folly it all is can surely not be hurt by it. He did not understand. How should he? The special sting, that which was wound up in Sally's retort, I'm sure I am not saying any more than you told me yourself, was unknown to him. There was no resource but to tell him the whole story. If there is anyone reading this who has not a high moral sense and a sensitive conscience, that one will not have the least idea how hard this was to do. But she did it, going over with morbid care the details of the talk, going back of that and explaining what was worse, the hinge on which Sally's talk hung, that miserable afternoon when she forgot her Christian dignity and descended to confidence. He was very quiet and very grave. He arose once, but it was to take a seat nearer to her, and when she hesitated the most and flushed the most painfully, while she was rigidly telling him just the words she used to Sally about his mother, he put out his hand and took hers and held it closely. Rebecca never forgot that hand-clasp. After the worst was told she went on eagerly, explaining how entirely her feelings had changed, how good his mother was to her, how much she loved her, not only for his sake but now for her own, but that she could not forget, nor get away from that horrid burst of confidence with Sally, and that she could not get away from a feeling of absolute hatred of her now, to think that she had set the tongues of the neighborhood to wagging about her husband, with actually a shadow of foundation to build it on, given by his wife. "'I understand it,' he said, when at last she paused. "'I understand it better than you think I do. I have not been deaf and blind. I know my mother has in many respects made it hard for you, and I have kept silence often for the very reason that I felt if I spoke I should make it harder. It is working out much better than I had hoped. The ministry of sickness has had its effect.' In the end it will be all right. My mother is changed, and I am changed, and it is your influence, Rebecca, over us both. What wonderful payment was this for all her shortcomings, and for this last flagrant mistake! Don't, she said at last. Frank, don't. I do not deserve to have anything of the kind said to me. I cannot tell you how I hate myself for many things that I have said and done, but especially for this. How could I have so forgotten myself, and you, as to make in any sense a confidant of Sally Holland. "'It is something that you will not be likely to do again,' he said with a quiet smile. "'And now, Rebecca, forgetting the things that are behind, you know, let us begin over again and make greater effort. We have both learned some things.' "'But how can I begin over again?' she asked nervously. "'Here is this quarrel, and I don't know how to get away from it, and yet you are saying to me that Sally is the one whom I ought to try to influence. How can I influence her in any way now?' "'As to Sally, I can tell you what I would certainly do if I were you,' he said, speaking earnestly. "'I would pray for her.' "'Pray for her?' And Rebecca sat upright and looked as though the suggestion were entirely new and unheard of before. "'Pray for her, with all my heart and soul, throwing an intensity into the prayer that demands answer.' Rebecca sat perfectly still while her husband went to the door to answer a knock, and came back to explain that he was summoned to the parlor with a business call. She sat and tried to think for some time after he left her and the burden of her thought was that it did not seem possible to her that she could pray for Sally Holland. Her thoughts were still full of this matter the next day, so full of it that she hardly attended to what her mother was saying to her during lunch, till roused by a question. "'Do you feel able, Rebecca, to make a few calls with me this afternoon, or have you other engagements?' 
Calls, repeated Rebecca. Why, are you able for that infliction? I don't mean to make it an infliction if I can help it, she answered with a smile. The truth is, I have been thinking a good deal about something which has troubled me of late. Whereupon Rebecca fell to wondering if everybody's conscience started up occasionally and gave them twinges of pain. I feel that I don't know some of the people in our church as well as I ought to. In fact, I might say I don't know them at all, some of them. I have made up my mind to get better acquainted with them if I can, and I'd like it very much if you would help me. Certainly, ma'am, Rebecca said. I will call wherever you choose. But she didn't in the least get Mrs. Edwards' meaning. She went on. There is your friend Mr. Milton. His mother is in our congregation, I believe, and yet I don't know her by sight. I thought I would call there if you had no objections, and on several others whom I have in mind." Now, indeed, Rebecca was thoroughly roused and attentive. She was not sure that she could believe her ears. Did Mrs. Allenson Edwards suggest calling on the Miltons, people with whom she had never come in contact socially in her life, and was no more likely to than though they lived at the Antipodes? "'Did I understand you to say that you meant to call there?' she asked, trying vainly to hide the wonder in her tone. "'I thought of it,' said Mrs. Edwards meekly. "'And, Rebecca, I don't suppose you know the Collinses and the Pecks and those people, but they are good, worthy people, and are members of our church, and it does seem as though we ought to know them, don't you think so?' Rebecca's answer was meek enough, and with a tone of respect in it, not unmingled with something almost like awe. She went upstairs to dress for calling with some very new ideas that afforded her subject for thought. She remembered among other matters which had been hobbies of hers, this one of the distinctions of society formed by wealth or position. No tongue could have been more brilliant than hers, no logic have ridiculed more skilfully. Yet she stood transfixed this day before that inexorable conscience, while it arraigned her on this very point. She had been able to see how the Edwardses and those of their set made themselves ridiculous by not calling on the Harlows, for instance, and the Miltons, and people of that clique. But not once had it occurred to her that she herself, and those same Miltons, in omitting to call on the Collinses and the Pecks, people a notch or two lower down in the social scale, were guilty of the same silly exhibition of aristocracy. It was a new revelation. Why had she never called on those people? Why, because, well, she had never thought of it. Nobody called on them. Well, but why didn't they? Could it be possible that it was because Mrs. Peck did not only her own fine ironing, but some for other people, and Mr. Collins was a day-laborer on uncertain wages? If this really was the reason, then how was she any better than Mrs. Edwards, who had not called on her mother because she lived in a little house on an unfashionable street and did her own work, ironing and all? Going down thus into the depths of things, she began to realize that in both cases it was not so much these reasons as that the customs of society separated the classes. Each grade simply forgot the existence of the other, or at least forgot that there could be a line of sympathy between them, and went their different ways thoughtlessly and selfishly. So thinking, she took her first lesson in the charity that seeks to find excuse for others' faults. Nevertheless, she arrayed herself for calling in a very meek state of mind, wondering much what Frank would think of this new departure whether his mother had confided in him and was acting upon his advice, wondering much also what the people to whom they were going would think or say, and whether Mrs. Edwards had the least idea how embarrassing it would be. One thing was clear to her mind. Both her husband and mother-in-law were taking rapid strides in their Christian life. If it really were due in part to her influence, as Frank had earnestly stated, were they leaving her in the background? The question was a solemn one, and afforded that troubled conscience a chance for another twinge. End of chapter 23